Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. Are you awake? I know you lost an hour of sleep. It's spring break. It's rainy. Uh, it's smoky. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I hope you're doing all right this morning. I don't want us to come to this place where we take his presence for granted. Uh, three of you. Okay. <clears throat> I don't want to just go through the motions. Um, I just need to give you a heads up where we're headed, and some of you probably have forgotten by now. We are right smack dab in the middle of combating five principalities that we've been dealing with. We've dealt with isolation. We've dealt with poverty. We're in the second part of dealing with hopelessness. But you do know what's next, right? Anybody remember? I didn't think so. Apathy. It's going to get dangerous in here. Because what I'm convinced of is that apathy, uh, we're not dealing with that today, but I just want to give you a warning uh, so that you can begin to prepare differently for church uh, and for our times together. Because here's the reality, apathy won't go easy. Uh, it, it's probably the deepest seated, in fact, I would probably say, and, and, and I, I didn't intend to do any of this, but I just feel like I need to tell you this in preparation, it's probably the plague or the epidemic of this generation. You've been so exposed to good music, so exposed to good words, so exposed to all the bells and whistles that when God shows up, you're used to it. And so we just go, mm, just another Sunday. And that is hard to uproot. We're going to work on that. And, and, and so I just want to give you preparation. The other thing I want to say to you is there is no excuse uh, to not bring somebody with you on Easter. We make it very simple for you to bring people on Easter. There are cards in your bulletins that these are not for you. These are to hand out to people, people you know. This is the one of two opportunities you have this year where they're most inclined to come to church when they don't normally go to church. This is a prime opportunity for you to target your movers and say, hey, we're having an Easter egg hunt. Why don't you come and try to win a TV? Why don't you come and bring your kiddos? And then say, hey, why, since you already found out where we're at, why don't you come back on Sunday morning? And we're going to do an evangelistic message. So I encourage you strongly to use Easter as an opportunity to invite people so that they can get to know Jesus. Touch your neighbor right now and say, wake up. Tell them. Come on. Tell them. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I don't want you to miss what God has for us. We have been talking about hopelessness. We've spent four weeks trying to expose the dangers of hopelessness. And uh, the reason we've done that, we've been hoping that some of you that have allowed hopelessness to set up in areas of your life that you're not even, you weren't even aware that you had given up on. We, we've been trying to expose the dangers of hopelessness to you so that you could combat that and find hope again. Some of you act like you've got it all together, and some of you act like you're all happy-go-lucky. But the truth is, is that in some areas of your life, you already threw the towel in a long time ago and you gave up. And so we've been saying, hey, hopelessness is dangerous. But I also want you to know this morning that hopelessness is deceitful. Hopelessness 
will deceive you. Why do I say it's deceitful? Because what happens is Paul says, and I'm not going to read it to you because we read it for four straight weeks, that Paul says in Romans that we should, because God is overflowing with, with hope, we should be overflowing with hope. And what we do is we allow hopelessness to set up in us and it deceives us into thinking that is for everybody else but me. In fact, this is what we do. This is, we don't even mean to do this and this is what we do. We, we give ourselves an exception, a free pass, and we start thinking like this. Paul meant that for everybody else. If Paul knew what I was going through, he would have said everybody ought to overflow with hope except me. Everybody should have an overflowing of hope except me because I got the bad diagnosis, I got the bad report, I got dealt the bad hand, so everybody ought to have hope but me. And we give ourselves an excuse or an exception, and that is a lie. We're deceived if we think that we shouldn't be overflowing with hope. So here's what we're going to do. We need to discover why we should have hope. Some of us have forgotten why we should be overflowing with hope. You hear a preacher stand up here and say, you ought to be overflowing with hope. And because of what's going on in your life or what's gone on in your life, you say, well, I don't understand. I, 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 I can't have hope because. And so what I want to do this morning and over the next few weeks is to try to help you remember to, to discover why you should have hope. Are you awake? Say amen. I'm scared. You're scaring me this morning. All right. Uh, so here we go. I, I want to read to you to kick this thing off, this new series called Coded. I want to read to you. I understand this is an extremely familiar portion of uh, Scripture. You, you that are older saw this done on flannel graphs. Don't say amen. I don't know how old you are. If you're a little bit younger, you saw it on like clear transparencies. Uh, if you're a little bit younger, you saw it on screens like this. So I know you know. I know you know this passage. The dilemma becomes that we know a passage so well that we overlook and fail to embrace the truth and implications for us. So I want us to read it kind of like we've never, never read it before. Is that all right? Okay, so here we go. Genesis chapter 37, two verses of the Scripture. I'm going to read it, and then I'll fill you in. You know the rest of the story, but I'm going to fill you in anyway. Here it is. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. This is the story of Jacob. The story continues with Joseph, 17 years old at the time, helping out his brothers in herding the flocks. These were his half-brothers, actually, the sons of his father's wives, Billa and Zilpha. And, and Joseph brought his father, now listen to what he does, Joseph brought his father bad reports on them. I'll come back to that. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the child of his old age, and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. And when his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him, and they wouldn't even speak to him. All right, so I know you know this account, all right? So, so here we go. You know the rest of the story. In, in a jealous fit, Joseph's brothers throw him into a pit, right? They isolate him. Okay. See what I did there? Some of y'all are quick enough. Some of y'all I'm waiting on. They isolate him, right? And just as a side note, may I say to you, just, you can just write this one down. This one's for free. Those that don't have hope will hate your hope. Uh, that, that was free. You can chew on that one later. So they throw him into a pit. They isolate him. Then they go to the next step. They sell him into slavery, which is poverty. 
Man, y'all are quiet this morning. So Joseph is forgotten. He's lied on and he's thrown into prison. He's promoted by the warden. He's forgotten again. He spends two more years of jail living. And then finally, after all that time has passed and all these wrongs have been done to him, he's finally remembered. You know the story. And he's elevated, right? But I want you to notice something. He goes through isolation and he goes through poverty but he never loses hope in any of those situations. Go read it for yourself. I don't even have time. You can go back and read it all. For you. Read the account over and over again when he's lied on, when he's, when, he's, when, when he's mistreated, when he's forgotten about. He never loses hope. You know why? I think it's because he realized that he was coded. I think he understood that he was coded, and so he continues to rise to the top in every situation. So if you go back to the beginning, we discover from what I just read to you in this account, the first thing that Joseph is coded with is Joseph is coded with preference. Preference. Um, As a parent, I need to testify and tell you that I recognize that there is a danger in playing favorites. Anybody? Okay, don't testify about your own family, just somebody you've seen, some other family you've observed. There is a danger if parents play favorites, right? Of everybody, Jacob should have understood the pain and the destruction of playing favorites. You, under, you remember his story, right? His story was that his pa- parents chose sides. J- Jacob's mother loved him, and Jacob's father loved Esau, right? And they played them against one another. You know the story, right? So of all the parents listed in Scripture, Jacob should have known better than anybody. You don't play favorites, but he plays favorites anyway. Right? Because what I read to you is it says that Jacob, or now he's being called Israel, loved Joseph more than all of his other sons. Joseph was coded with preference. There's another way to say this. Joseph had favor. During the course of this series, you're probably going to hear me use that term quite a bit. He had favor. So what is favor? I want to use as a working definition that favor is this preferential treatment that you don't deserve that's favor preferential treatment that you do not deserve that is favor and that is what joseph was coded with in fact uh joseph did absolutely nothing to deserve the the codedness or the favor that he received from his father in fact uh one of the the the, the first glimpses we have of joseph is that check this out I read it to you. He was a tattletale. He was a tattletale. He tells on his half-brothers. He brings a bad report. So in other words, Joseph was probably a brat. Anybody else feel that way about tattletales? All right. Don't, don't, don't do what you're doing right now. So he didn't earn favor. He did nothing to earn favor. In fact, what I read to you says that Joseph preferred, was preferred because, here's why, he was born in his father's old age, right? And because his father loved that particular mom more than, how many of you recognize that Joseph didn't get to pick when he was born and he he didn't get to pick who he was born by, all right? So, just to show you, he did absolutely nothing to earn 
or to deserve the favor that was on him. So, so he was simply favored with undeserved, unwarranted, unearned preference. Can I remind you this morning that our stories parallel the story of Joseph? May I remind you that you have done nothing to deserve or to earn or to to gain preference, but yet you are still. I just need to remind you the reason that you ought to have hope this morning is you are coded with preference. Much like Mary, you have heard from the angel that you are chosen and that you are highly favored and you've done nothing to earn that or deserve that. In fact, the truth is, let's get real honest this morning, you may have even been a little bit of a brat. There are portions of our story that should, in honesty, disqualify us from being favored. Okay, I'll just, I'll just talk about me since you don't want me talking about you this morning. There are parts of my story that should disqualify me or exempt me or, or disallow me to be preferred by my father. Okay, Y'all won't even amen me about my story, okay? But I know some of y'all's stories. And there are segments of your history. And there are moments of your past. And there are decisions that you've made. And there are actions that you've taken. And that there, there are attitudes that you've embraced that should disqualify you from receiving preference. Some of you don't deserve preference because you've squandered blessings. Some of you don't deserve blessings because you've destroyed God-sent relationships. Some of you don't deserve to be favored because you have, you have chosen to do things against God's will and then begged Him to undo what you did. And yet, through all of that, you're still coded with His preference. I, I just came to remind some of you that He has hand-picked you out of a lineup of the most unlikely Come on, let's all line up against the wall. And let's just go down the line and and figure out who among us deserves to be favored by God. I know you glow in the dark, you're so holy. But let's just go right on down the little line and let's pick which one of us deserves to be preferred by our Father. The truth is, is we all come up short. We all fall short. But we've been favored. We've been coded. We've been preferred by our Father. You know how I know that? Uh, because I know that some of you wouldn't be standing, wouldn't be sitting in this room if it wasn't for the fact that He prefers you. You would already have be dead. You would have already laid down destroyed. You would have already been broken beyond repair. You would have already gone down for the last time, except for one reason. You are coded with the preference from our Father. He chose you. He chose you. The reason that you keep snatching victory out of defeat and the reason that you keep getting back up and the reason that you keep overcoming and the reason that you keep rolling out of the bed, there's only one reason. Because of what you've been through and what's happened to you and all the things that you've endured, you ought to be the one that's curled up in the fetal position with the covers pulled over your head. But you're rolled out of bed an hour earlier than normal this morning because He preferred you. He chose you. He chose you. Joseph coat was a visible reminder of his of the preference of his father the coat was visible proof that his father loved him and preferred him that coat followed we're going to come back to this not the actual coat the favor followed him all of his life 
what I want to say to you this morning is there is, there is a visible preference on you. I'm trying to help your hope this morning. Some of y'all need to understand there is a visible, a tangible, it's like a coat that you put on this morning. You have a visible, tangible preference of your father that's on your life. We know that because what should have stopped you didn't stop you. And what should have caused you to be sidelined for the rest of your life only slowed you down for a season. What should have crippled you has now only catapulted you to greatness. You are coded. Let me say it another way. I want, please get this because I want to say it a different way next week uh, about a different truth. But you've got to get this one. Let me say it to you like this. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you ought to have hope because God is for you. See, I, I, I'm concerned because some of you, if I ask you to get into a, we'll sit down at a desk and I'll, and I'll slide the paper across and say, okay, here's a blank piece of paper. I want you to list everybody that's against you. And some of you would have a field day. They haven't liked me since 1922. They just despised me. In 1968, they looked mean at me and didn't say hello when I walked in the door. I know they don't like me. They're against me. In 1978, I was walking down the hall and they snubbed their, I know, you can list them all. What I want to do this morning is to encourage you to stop long enough and quit listing who's against you and take a moment and remember who's for you. Because if he is for you, oh, see, nobody, see, 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 let me, let me read it to you like Paul made this statement. Paul made a statement, it was a proclamation that he made that we need to understand and allow it to sink deep down into our spirit. We just read scripture and we pass over it glibly and we never let it penetrate our spirit. So let me just read it to you and see if it won't sink in this morning. Romans chapter 8 in verse 31, Paul asked a question. He says this, he asked this question, what then shall we, shall we say in response to these things? And I read that, and I was like, to what things? What is he responding to? He's saying, what should we say in response to these things? I was like, what things? What's he, what's he responding to? Then I went and led, read the little heading. Y'all ever do that? Because we're too lazy to go really dig it out, so we just read the little heading. I, I read the little heading, and it says, suffering. Present suffering. So in other words, what Paul is doing is he's saying, while, I'm, while I've been discussing with you all this suffering and all the hurts and all the heartaches that you've been dealing with, in light of these sufferings and in light of the potential of losing hope, he answers his own question and he says, what shall we then say in response to these things? You know what his response is? Do you know it? If God is for us, then who can be against us? That's why we have hope. That's why we know that we're coded with preference. Is because when I take an examination and I take a log of all the things in my life that are causing me pain and suffering and heartache and hurt and discouragement, I have a built-in response because I, I step back and I go, devil, I see all that you're doing in my life and I see all the attacks that you're sending against me, but I can back up long enough and say, yes, sickness is against me and hurt is against me and pain is against me. That's who's against me but let me back up long enough and say hey wait a minute I'm coated with his favor I'm coated with his preference so if God is for me then I don't have time for you 
I can't get no help in here this morning because we become hopeless. We've forgotten who is for us. God is for us. Now you missed it. God, the creator of the universe, the omnipotent one. That means he's got all the power. The omniscient one, the one that knows everything. The omnipresent one, which means you can't get away from it. He's the one that is for us. He is on our team. So I just need you to do this. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, hey, God prefers me. Come on, tell him. He, he prefers me. Come on, tell your other neighbor, God's on my side. I know you've been praying. I know you've been praying for some, but look, I prayed for rain, and he's on my side. Come on, tell him. I, okay. Uh, okay, let's get really b- b- practical or really down to our, uh, I, do I have any? I don't, think I don't think they're here this morning. I was going to give them a chance because I was going to say, let them say, hey, you prayed for the thunder to win, but I prayed for the spurs to win. And God, okay, I, I didn't, I see, see, see. We should have hope. We should have hope. Because he's for us. I need that to sink into somebody's spirit this morning. We know the enemy is against us. That's why he's our enemy but we forget who's for us and I just need to remind you I don't even have this in my notes I just want to remind you that this is not like a powerful God and a close a close devil like in power like it's just barely God just barely wins I mean he just barely I mean the devil's so powerful that God that's how we live the devil's so powerful that God just barely squeaks out of victory at the end do you understand that he's for us, and it's not even close. Uh, see, see. Quit ducking your head and acting like that you're an outcast. Quit acting like you're an outsider. Quit acting like you're less than. You are his favorite. Man, I, w- I wish that would sink in. I wish that would sink in. I wish that would sink in. I need to remind him. I need to remind myself. Just for a moment, I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. Don't get jealous. You're his favorite too. Uh, okay. All right. So, so then let me tell you the second thing that I've learned because we, here's our problem. We, we understand, at least philosophically, we understand that we're his favorite. This is where we start, it starts breaking down and we don't live like he's so favorable to us. But I need to help you this morning. I want you to have hope. And here's the truth. Circumstances don't change codedness. It's been a while since I made up a word, so I made one up. Codedness. Circumstances don't change codedness. That's why in a pit by the hands of others, because some of you are there. That's why your good name and your reputation impugn. Some of you are there, people lying on you. That's why in prison, some of you are there. That's why struggling with sickness, that's some of you in this room. That's why fighting economic downturn, that's some of you. That's why isolated and alone, that's some of you. That's why, and through all of that, I don't give up because circumstances don't dictate whether I'm coded or not. 
See, I didn't get as many shouts there. See, I don't quit. You know why? I'm coded. My circumstances don't change my codedness, and this is what I've discovered. What I've discovered and what I see from Joseph's story and from my own story is this, is that favor doesn't keep him or us out of trouble. But let me tell you what codedness does. It doesn't keep me out of trouble. But what it does is it gets me out of trouble. It doesn't keep me from it, but it gets me out. Y'all See, I can't get no help. It, it doesn't keep me from experiencing, but it gives me the hope that I'm going to get out. Okay? And it gets us through trouble. Because there are moments in life where God sees fit not to pull you out of what you're going through because he needs you to go through what you're going through. See, we have been led to believe that favor means easy or painless. That is not true. I knew I wouldn't get nothing there. We've been, tra- we've been trained to believe that following God is supposed to be a cakewalk and we're supposed to tiptoe through tul- tulips the rest of our life. That once we say the prayer, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you, that we will never encounter another hard day. That's why we give up. Because we've been lied to. That's how we feel. We feel like when, 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 when things go as badly as they've gone in your life, you want to throw in the towel and give up hope because you've been taught that favor just makes things easier. You're naive. Okay. Paul knew that, so let's just, since we love Romans 8, chapter, th- chapter 8, verse 31, if he's for us, who can be against us? Let's just go right back into Paul's proclamation, since we're using his proclamation to give us hope that God is for us. Let's just go back and see what else he says. We're not cherry-picking here. Well, he's for me. Who can be against me? So, life's going to be easy from, okay, okay. So, so, here's what he says. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? Man, I'm liking this. He's just driving that, the fact that we're favored home. Okay, I'm liking this. If God doesn't, didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else that he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Ooh, I'm liking this, man. We're favored. He's for us. Woo. Let's just stop reading right there. No. He goes on, he says, and who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Man, I like Paul. Who would dare to even point a finger? And this is good stuff. The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Man, this is good stuff. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Thank you, Paul. Love you, bro. Wish you'd write some more stuff. He did. Because I want you to see what he does. After telling us that God is for us, notice what he does. Not trouble. Wait a minute. I don't like where this is headed. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger, not hopelessness or homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us, 
in cold blood. I don't like you so much anymore, Paul. Because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. Notice Paul didn't say any of this stuff would not happen. He never says this stuff won't happen. He lists all this stuff as if it's going to happen. You're going to get stabbed in the back. You're going to get lied on. You're going to get hated on. They're going to try to kill you. In fact, you're easy pickings. You've got a big old stinking target painted on your back. But then he comes and he says this. Listen to what he says. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Circumstances don't change my codedness. Oh, but wait, because he keeps writing. Thanks a lot, Paul. Wish you'd put a period and go on. He never used periods, commas. Run on sentences out the wazoo. He goes on and he says this. He begins to increase the list of circumstances. He wants to make sure that he gets them all so nobody gets a free pass. He, he comes down and he, he lists everything that we're going to face that should have no, he's, he's laying out this thesis that none of this should phase us a bit. Here, here he goes, here they are. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, here they are, here's the things that we're going to go through. Living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced so let me ask you a question because let's get really down to where we live what are you going through that is causing you to want to give up what are you going through that has so captured your heart that now you find yourself on the brink of hopelessness what is it that you are enduring that is outside this list that Paul says should have no bearing on our ability to stay hopeful because of his love. You tell me. Tell me what it is. Oh, I was a drug addict, so I just gave up hope. Really? Life or death? Angelic or demonic? But my, my loved one that I loved so much was taken way too early. So re really, that's outside that list too? My friends betrayed me. Really? That's outside that list? Because they said they were going to stab you in the back. I'm broke. I, I can't rub two nickels together. That's outside that list? What outside? What are you going through? What is so painful that you're going through that gives you a, an exception to understanding that the codedness of God's favor and preference is still on your life? What? What do I have to say to get you to understand that what you're going through has no bearing on his preference for you? Joseph's brothers thought that they could take the coat away and they would take his favor away. But I need you to understand this morning that the favor was not the coat. The coat just came because of the favor. Y'all missed that. They focus on the wrappings of favor and they attack the coat which was a symbol of his favor. 
But what Joseph's life reveals to us is that they can remove the coat and they can defile the coat, but they can't recall or remove the favor. So here's what happens. Let me just, I'm almost done, so stay with me. What that means then is that we understand, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you do know that there are the wrappings of favor. There are, how many, come on, be honest. Don't sit there all like pharisaical and act all holy. You do know, because we get nervous in Pentecostal settings when we start talking about this. You do know that there are tangible and physical benefits from being God's favorite, right? Like everybody else's paycheck is getting cut and you're getting raises. Don't look at me. I know. I Come on now. Everybody else is struggling, but you seem to be making it. Favor. You've got to help when everybody else in the whole building is sick. See, y'all don't even want to say amen. Because everybody else's family is like hates one another, but y'all's all lovey-dovey and y'all can't get enough of one another. Post some pictures all on Facebook. Everybody's happy. And we can't post pictures on Facebook of our family because we're about to kill one another. If we took, we took a Facebook picture, we'd be like in the dirt like that. We, so there's tangible, right? Okay, maybe I need to preach that because some of y'all ain't even getting that. But what I need you to understand this morning is that the material possessions, the money, the fame, the approval, the acceptance, the health can all be stripped away. And that does not mean I'm not coded. Here's why. You can't be made a slave when your father says you're a prince. Oh, that went over huge. Okay. You are preferred. People can throw you into a bad environment, but you're favored. The preference of God, even though you don't deserve it, even though you've done nothing to earn it, they can throw you into a bad environment and you will rise to the top every time. Why? Because you're coded regardless of what you're surrounded by. You can get a bad diagnosis. That doesn't change favor. The coat of his preference does not mean you won't go through some stuff. But what it does mean is that you don't have to bog down in stuff. Pit stops, prison stops, momentary sufferings. You can have hope. And this is why I want you to understand that you've got to have hope. If you don't have hope, you won't be able to do what I'm getting ready to say. It's the last blank on your notes. You've got to know this or you won't be able to do this. Quit treating seasons like life sentences. Because the moment you quit having hope, when something bad rolls in, you will bog down in that thing and you will define yourself by what is happening to you rather than by who you are. Well, who am I? You're favored. Joseph Coat didn't prevent bad days, but it did protect and propel him through those bad days. God's preference for you doesn't prevent your circumstances from being painful or undesirable. However, his preference for you does protect you while you're going through what you're going through and what you're facing. You should have hope. You cannot allow what you are facing to convince you that you have lost your coat. Can, can I, can I, let me show you what the enemy does.
This is exactly what the enemy tries to do. He tries to camouflage our favor. He tries to camouflage our preferredness, our codedness. He will send, he attacks. That's what our enemy does. We're, we're, we, we act like we're surprised, but all he's doing is what he was told to do, steal, kill, and destroy. He comes in and he tries to do that and he's somewhat effective and we go through bad things and we allow him to put a coat of camouflage on us so that it will conceal and cover up the coat of our favor. And we begin to look down and we don't see our coat of favor anymore and I, what I see is I'm sick and my bank, my, my, bank, my bank account's empty and my kids are acting stupid and so is their daddy. And my car breaks down. And everything I touch falls apart. My mind is going a million miles an hour. And he left me. And she left me. And they said they loved me. And now they don't. My friends are talking bad about me. And nobody likes me. And we look down. And the enemy uses things and attacks and circumstances to coat our coat. And you know why he does this? I'm done right here. I promise I'm finished if you listen to this statement. He does this not so those out there don't recognize your favor. He does this so you won't recognize your own favor. And I'm watching some of you walk through some difficult seasons in your life, and I see you ducking your head, and I see you about ready to throw in the towel, and I go, yep, they're coated, but I'm not talking about favor. I'm talking about you've allowed the enemy to dress you up in camouflage so that the circumstances of your life hide, not from us, Because we know you're favored. If you weren't favored, you'd already be dead. So we know you're favored. The problem is you don't know because you've allowed the enemy. And I've told you this before. He does it in layers. He slides a coat of isolation onto you. He slides the coat of poverty onto you. And all of a sudden you wrap yourself in hopelessness and you go, who's for me? Cancer's against me. The government's against me. The police are against me. The teachers are against me. Those folks are against me. My dog's against me. My cat's always been against me. My boss hates my guts. And we back ourselves right into a corner and we look down and we forget that we're favored. I'm here to tell you that it's time to take off the camouflage that the enemy's placed in our life. And we need to look back down and recognize that we are his favorites. And our circumstances have no bearing on his preference. So this is what I need you to do. Here's your assignment. I could call you to the altar and let you pray. And, and we've been trying to do more of that. Because that's a good thing to do. But here's what I know we do. Because most of us, I know most of y'all, we've been in this a long time. We come and pray for like two minutes with one eye halfway open. Because we want to see when everybody else goes back to their chair so we know when we're supposed to go back to our chair. Because we're trained. So, I want us to take a page out of my youngest son's book. Because I walked into his bathroom and on his mirror there's a piece of paper doesn't apply to what we're talking about. There's just a piece of paper that reminds him daily to watch what he talks about. He did that himself. I didn't put that in there, but 
It's a good thing to do. But what I need, I, I just want to take this, a page out of his book, and what I want you to do all week long, I know it's spring break, like you're going to sleep in until like 7, and, uh, and you're going to want to veg out and do nothing. But here's your assignment. You've got to do this, y'all. You've got to do this every morning. In the morning, whether the morning is like 11 or if it's 6, I don't care. Whenever you get up, first thing, and then right before you go to bed, because it's going to take, remember we said principalities are principles that we learn. That's how they operate. They take up root in our mind. We have got to undo what we've learned to think. And so morning and night, how many of you agree to do this with me? All right, God, strike them dead if they, no, I'm playing. Besides, I only got like 12 hands anyway, so, you know. If you're willing to do this with me, raise your hand. All right. Morning and night, and I know this is difficult because some of us don't like what we see in the mirror, especially in the morning. But I need you to walk into your restroom, your bathroom area, look in a mirror, and say to yourself, I'm his favorite. I think if you would do that 14 times over the next seven days, when you walk back in here next Sunday, you will think differently than what you thought when you got here this morning. Because what you thought when you got here this morning was, man, they hate my guts. Every one of them. I don't even like those people. It's the worst week of my life. God's nowhere to be seen. If you've got to write it on a piece of paper, stick it on your mirror, I'm his favorite. Father, this morning I pray that together this week we would be reminded every morning, every evening, who we are. We re- I, I freely admit, I'm the first, I, I will admit it, I've got the mic, so I'll admit it to you, God, in front of you and everybody else. I don't deserve favor. I certainly didn't earn it. I'm a brat. I'm a card-carrying, lifelong founding member of the Brat Club. That's who I am. So I know I should be disqualified from being coded, but I'm not. And I'm thankful for the favor of God that rests upon my life. God, there are moments in my life that the camouflage blocks out your favor, not from others, but from me. And I pray over the life of each person in this room today that over the next seven days we would change the way we think and we would morning and night remind ourselves we don't need to remind you you've made it clear you made it clear that we're favored so we're not reminding you we're just reminding us of what you've said about us we're your favorite God, if, that, if that's too unnerving and, and that bothers us a little bit, then, Father, I pray that we would say this in the mornings. He's for me. God, if we could ever get that truth, it would change how we live. He's for me. I can't give up hope. Why would I give up hope? How dare I give up hope? There's not a chance I'm giving up hope. Why? Because he's for me. Capital H. He's for me. I pray that you would speak into our lives this week and you would remind us that in spite of circumstances we're coded. We're your favorite. I ask you to do this in Jesus name. And everybody said
Okay, I'm going to give you practice real quick before Pastor Woody closes this out. Look at your neighbor. Look him square in the eye and say, I'm his favorite. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.